Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. I'm your host, Joe Marcellina from nh-highschoolsports.com. Alongside me again, Chris Hetler, head coach of the Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Team. Coach, as always, thanks for joining me. Joe, good to be back. Uh, thought I had retired my sweatshirt and sweatpants <laughs> for the season and rain jacket, but here we not are. Not quite, not quite. We are uh, we're at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua, getting ready for the start of the season. Oh no, we're not. No, we're not starting the season. Um, it only feels like April. The second season. Second season. Second season. Um, despite what the thermometer might say, they are actually going to play uh, the boys' semifinals and the girls' championship games uh, starting on Tuesday. Uh, so we are here to take a look at those. Uh, this will actually be our next to last show as we'll be wrapping up everything next Tuesday. Uh, feel free to send us your questions or feedback at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or you can tweet us at uh, NHHS Sports. Shows available at nh-highschoolsports.com or on iTunes. And one more thing before we get started this week, I just wanted to remind anyone interested in getting the 2018 Boys and Girls Lacrosse Yearbook, uh, if you pre-order by June 8th, you'll get $20 off the full price. Uh, the yearbook will consist of all of the lacrosse coverage that has been on the site this year, along with photos and uh, the ever-popular All-State teams. Uh, Already seeing those rolling out. We'll be, of course, posting those later this week. Uh, to order, go to nh-highschoolsports.com. Click on the tab at the top of the page that says lacrosse yearbook. Fill out all the pertinent information, and you are good to go. All right, now let's get into uh, what happened in the last week. Um, and I don't know, do we want to start with uh, the question that you asked me at the end of last week's show, uh, or or so not? So, Joe, well, what's, the, what's the other biggest lock so besides Pinker, besides Pinkerton? Yes, yeah, so if the, those of you that listened all the way to the end last week, <laughs> uh, remember that Coach asked me uh, what 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 did I see as being the most likely outcomes, and I think my my number one was BG Pinkerton in the boys' final, and my number two was Portsmouth Winnicott in the D two girls' final. Uh, of course, Saturday night I was over at Stello Stadium watching Hollis Brookline make a fool of me. Uh, and also play a really, really good lacrosse game uh, in taking out a team in Winnicott that they had lost to by 16 goals in the regular season. In fairness, I, I think a lot of people agreed with you on that. Um, you know, and you got to talk to the coach afterwards, and, and you know, um, well, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you fill in. Yeah, you know, I the mean, details there, it was, it was one of those ones that, I, you know, I was trying to think today, like what might have been like a bigger upset that I, what are the biggest upsets maybe I've ever seen, and that, that really. I mean, that, that fits in that top five, I think, for me personally because I just didn't expect it to happen. Uh, Especially you know. when you consider, like, you know, neither coach said, oh, yeah, get, you know, girls were missing in the game or we were missing girls for this game or, you know, to overcome a 16-goal deficit usually means, like, you know, you were missing a draw, a draw control person or, you know, you had your backup goalie in that day or something, something to right. that effect. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, but, you know, congratulations to uh, Hollis Brookline. And, um, you know, I mean, again, you know, they are the, they, I believe they are the four seed. They were the so, four seed, you know, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's not a complete shocker, but just by the, I think the score is what's the, the score. I mean, so it was a 19 to 3 game yeah. when they played in the regular season. And perhaps. Um, Less than a month ago, correct? Two weeks. Yeah. Two, a little more than yeah. two weeks ago. Um, you know, the, the, the person, I think the, the biggest star that night, though, for, for Hollis was uh, Olivia Valentine, the, the goalie. Um, in the book with 10 saves, but I mean, that the magnitude of a lot of them um, were just massive. Um, you know, they had a 10 9 lead, I want to say with about three and a half minutes to go out of a timeout. Um, they lost the draw, went and kind of raced down the field, you know, got in for a shot point blank, and she just 
had her stick in the right place, made the save, and they were able to kill out the rest of the clock after that, scored late. Um, but she had a huge, huge game. Um, you know, their head coach, Jim Maxwell, you know, said that afterwards, that, that she was really the star of the game. And, and because they've got some pretty talented, I think, offensive players, she gets kind of overlooked at times. Um, you know, he said the biggest thing was, um, you know, that they put in a lot of time since then. They put in, they had a lot of time to practice. They put in a lot of effort. They watched a lot of film, you know, and they, they really, um, they got that lead and then they just kind of tried to take the air out of the ball. But a tremendous, just a, a tremendous job, not only in just making adjustments from watching film and things like that, but the mental aspect of that, you know, when you get beat by 16 goals, a lot of times you just realize, oh, wow, we just don't match up well against this team. You know, it's not so much a scheme thing, but may maybe it was in this case. But even even still, uh, a tremendous job by Coach Maxwell to, to keep his girls focused and believing that they can they can overcome that deficit and come back and win a game like that. And and I'm sure you know if you you didn't get a chance to talk to Winnicott after the game, uh, but I imagine you know they'd tell you that that they didn't play their best game, and maybe one of those you know the reverse happens for them. How we beat this Hard. team by 16 goals. Yeah. You know, we've, we've you got know, this. It's a semifinal game, so sure, you're going to be focused, but it's hard not to overlook a team a little bit when, when you did beat them so easily the first time around. And, and when you know you've got a formidable foe in, in Portsmouth waiting, for, you know, a divisional rival, uh, you know, a, basically a, a crosstown rival waiting for you in Portsmouth in, in what you thought was going to be the championship game. I think what everybody thought. I mean, that they, they played, it would have been the fourth time in the last two years. They played in last year's championship game. You know, Portsmouth won that. I'm sure Winnicott was very eager to get another crack at them. That was their only loss before Saturday was to Portsmouth. Um, so instead, though, it's it's Hollis Brookline and, and Portsmouth in the Division Two final. Actually, it might take me a second here to look this up, uh, but I believe this is a rematch of a, a Division Three final going back quite a few years. Would have uh, been a few years, yeah. but the boys moved up a while ago, so it would have been a few years. Right, right. Um, um, Hollis was, was in... It's actually their first championship game since uh, 2010 when they were in they won the second of two Division Three titles. Uh, of course, Portsmouth winning last year, and Portsmouth beat them in the regular season, 17-5. Uh, but yeah. so it wasn't a it wasn't a 16 goal deficit. No, so if no. I'm, if from all from line, maybe I'm in a better <laughs> mental state coming into this. Game. Again, from what uh, from what Coach uh, Maxwell was saying was that was a closer game at halftime, and then they just kind of ran out of gas towards the end. Portsmouth was able to pile on a bit down the stretch. Um, and you know my my memory's not as bad as one might think. 2007, Portsmouth beat Hollis Brookline 10-8 in the Division Three finals, and I believe the year before they beat them in the semifinals. And the reason I remember that was because it was played at Manchester West, and it's got to be the only time I've ever seen puddles form on a turf field. Uh, just a miserable day and a drenched field. Um, it's amazing that the things that kind of stick with you, not right. There's a lot of games like that that stick with me. But, you know, to, to finish off on Hollis Brookline here, you know, maybe it's a team that some people overlook, sneaky good team. You know, they did only have four losses on the season coming into the playoffs. You know, a loss to Oyster River early. But then, you know, their other three losses, Portsmouth, John Stark, and Winnicunit, other than the, the score of the Winnicunit game, you know, not, not particularly bad losses. So, you know, maybe it's not as much of a surprise as, as everyone would think. They, they are a very young team. I believe just one senior, uh, C.C. Fetter, is the only senior on that team. So, you know, so a, a team that has a lot of potential again for next season to build off the success that they had this year. You know, I think to finish off the thought on the D2 side is just, 
you know, I, th I think everybody was looking at Portsmouth and Winnicott just also not only because they're they're very good and they played each other to a close game in the regular season, but just the strength of schedule that they had. Both Winnicott and Portsmouth really tested themselves out of division this right. year, playing yep. a lot of D1 teams. I mean, Winnicott beat who could be the state champions coming up in Bedford. You know, yep. so it's um, – you know, and we'll get to that in a minute too. I mean, Bedford and BG gonna gonna play a great great game uh, coming up. But um, you know, I, I think that's why everybody was so confident about Winnicott and Portsmouth is just these weren't two teams that kind of hid behind an easy schedule. They really challenged themselves this season. Yeah, interesting on the girls' side that all the number one seeds got taken out going into the in the semifinals. I don't know how we would ever find it out, but I I, I gotta believe that's never happened before. I'd have to yeah, I'd have to look. I'm not I'm not positive. Uh, I don't think it has. Um, Oh, uh, probably po on either side. Possible that they've yeah. all lost at some in the, point in the tournament, in the, but, yeah. but all on the same weekends in in, in uh, before the championship is pretty rare. So the uh, the boys' playoffs though went a little bit more uh, probably according to what we thought. Um, you know, Division One. I, I think we, you, with the exception of that four or five Bedford Londonderry game. But we, we talked and said that was it's a know, bit of a toss up. It, it could be a toss up. Really yeah, a five beating a four yeah. wouldn't really be an upset. And especially. How close that game was in the right, regular, in the regular season. season yeah. You yeah. know that was a that was a close game going into the fourth quarter, yeah. and, B and Bedford pulled that one out. And then same in, in D two, we had some really close games. You know, Dover is is was Dover. down against Winnicott in the second half, Lo losing at one point. Yeah, to, to yeah. Winnicott. Portsmouth um, had to go to overtime to beat Goffstown, and then know, it, it sounded like in the Dover Winnicott game that it really came down to there was uh, at one point Winnicott went down three guys in that game. Um, and, and Dover was able to able to get the lead and stretch it to one or two, and then I think it was able to get an insurance goal late when they were really pressing out. Um, that was that was a nail biter game, and then um, you know Goffstown and Portsmouth game goes to overtime. Portsmouth or uh, Goffstown has a two goal lead twice, similar to the week before, seven five, and then eight six late. Mm. Um, you know, a uh, tremendous amount of character being shown by the by Coach Fisher and the Portsmouth kids to be able to, to keep their composure and, and battle back like that and then win in overtime. Um, you know, uh, big-time player in Cole Brahms stepping up, you know, and getting goals when uh, when they needed to and, and netting the game winner, um, I believe, as a, a penalty was expiring. Uh, mm -hmm. He was able to step in and, and rip one home. Uh, so those two will play in the in one of the semifinals in D2, uh, Dover and, and Portsmouth. And then Wyndham goes up and, and just, you know, takes it to Merrimack Valley in that 4-5 uh, game. Um, you know, again, not, not too surprised that Wyndham is moving on. Maybe more surprised in the way that they, they advanced. They've uh, played great defense all year. They play a good, hard, man-to-man -man defense. They press out. They don't give you anything easy. Um, and they've done a good job of, of being timely in their offense, of taking advantage of man-up opportunities and, uh, and pushing transition. And so um, really impressed in the way that they were able to shut down Merrimack Valley's high-powered offense and Dylan Arant and Colby Mercier and some of, the, some of these kids that have, uh, you know, recently, I, 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 you know, I got to think that Merrimack Valley is one of the hottest teams coming into the playoffs, the way they've been playing, knocking off Dover and, you know, um, the scores they've been putting up. So, yeah, you know, Im impressive impressive game by, by Wyndham. Yeah, they had won eight in a row, uh, you know, coming down the stretch. Uh, had only scored under 11 goals this season once, and that was in the season opener against Bo. So, I mean, to hold them to five, uh, that's a, a pretty remarkable job. Uh, y you could argue, you know, you mentioned the Dover game. They beat Hollis Brookline. They, they played Gosstown, played Wyndham earlier in the season. 
outside of that, though, their schedule a little, a little bit on the lighter side. And that may, and that may have been the difference in this is where Wyndham really challenged themselves. They played twenty games this season already, mm-hmm. you know, and and they've they've they played up, they played Londonderry, and they lost, but still they they got that exposure and were able to um, to play at a very high level. So um, you know, I, I don't think they were coming into that game fearing anyone. They were they were they came ready to play. And of course, uh, your Dairy Field team getting a, a big win over Keene. Um, you know, rematch of a game earlier this year that you guys also uh, won kind of going away. Similar score, yeah. 16-1 the first time, 16-3 the second time. You know, similar styles. Keen came out and played uh, put a little bit of a zone defense and, um, you know, made us made us work for our goals. But, um, you know, our guys played, again, you know, we feel like if we control the faceoff X and, and we play really good defense, then... Um, you know that's where it starts. We're able to we're able to break things open if we take care of the defensive end first. Um, that that's you know the old cliche, right? Championships are won on defense, and so we're we're really embracing that this year. So those semifinal matchups will be on Wednesday. Uh, of course, as we said, Dover uh, against Portsmouth over at Stellos, a five o'clock start Wednesday, and then Wyndham against Derryfield, seven fifteen start at Stellos. Nice that they bumped that back a little bit. Give uh, give us those us type media types a little bit of time to uh, to talk to coaches in between. I'm sure that's what the the entire thought was. was that's you know, definitely what it was. Uh, and it had nothing to do with trying to get one crowd in and the other crowd out, uh, <laughs> and it knees up maybe some parking there. Um, of course, Tuesday uh, the semis get underway with Division One playing at Exeter, um, and in that one you'll have Exeter again playing a, a road game on their home turf. Uh, as they did last year. This year taken on Pinkerton, 5 o'clock game, and then the nightcap, Lund- number 5 Londonderry, number 1 BG at 7.15. Um, you know, I, I think, again, that's my lock. Um, BG Pinkerton final, I, I would be stunned, more stunned than I was with Hollis Brookline beating I, Winnicott. I think, every, I think everybody would right now. Um, you know, if this was a if this was Vegas, you you wouldn't be making a lot of money betting against either either uh, betting on betting on BG or no, or, absolutely uh, not right now. And if you didn't, you'd be probably you'd be throwing <laughs> your money away. <laughs> yeah. uh. So you know, if you look at if you look at Bishop Girton, you know they they played at home to a, a 15-6 game to Londonderry the first time around, and I, I don't believe it was that close the first time. I think around. they got out to like a 13-2 lead in the yeah. first half or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a, a game that got closer in the second half as some reserves started coming in um you know in the londonderry you know they played a heck of a game on saturday against bedford you know they were down nine five um in the th- late in the third quarter it seemed like bedford had all of the momentum and you know they were able to, to put together a nice run to win that game 10-9 and you could kind of see i mean they were they were celebrating on the field afterwards hugs and you know, handshakes and team pictures afterwards. Getting um, to the getting to the final four in Division One lacrosse I is, is a big deal I mean, in the state it, of New Hampshire. You know, it's it really their is. their first time there since 2013. Um, and you know, when they were the three seed last year, and and we kind of looked at them as a, they were supposed to be there. They were supposed to be playing this game against BG yeah. last year and got upset in the first round by Exeter last year. So, you know, maybe I mean, it's a big yeah, it is a big deal to them, especially uh, you know, first year coach with. Roger Sampson, um, not that he's any stranger to, to you know the lacrosse scene, but his first year with those kids, and and you know they're they're a tough group. Uh, Remarkable job by Coach Sampson too this season. You know, not many teams can lose both their starting goaltender and their backup goaltender, have to play a defensive midi in the net, and still make <laughs> the Division One Final Four. I mean, 
you know, if that doesn't get you some coach of the year consideration, then, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what will. Um, you know, but we, we talked coming into the season that we knew Londonderry would be kind of a solid squad this year, but we didn't know exactly who would step up for them. Would they be able to score enough goals? Would they get enough draws? Um, you know, but a, a, a group that is, um, you know, really headstrong and, and worked through a lot of adversity. I, I know from experience from my squad that, man, if we lost our starting and backup goaltenders, that would be a huge deal. And so for the for Londonderry to be able to navigate those waters and make it to the final four, that that is that's a that's a great season for them. Yeah, I can't think of any team that uh, you know that has that kind of uh, that kind of depth. I mean, even even Pinkerton and BG, I don't I don't think would would be able to uh, you know they might be able to make up for it in other ways, but yeah, it's a heck of a heck of a job. Uh, the other you know the other semifinals will be the third Which meeting. The one that I think is going to be the more interesting. More interesting, game. yeah, yeah. But I mean, how interesting? I guess. I, I mean, I guess we'll find out, to, um, you know, Tuesday night. Uh, Exeter and Pinkerton have already played each other twice this year, including on the 25th. Um, you know, Pinkerton won both meetings the first time, 14-8, second time, 16-7. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm not exactly sure how either, you know, both of those games went if Pinkerton, you know, got up early, pulled away late, how that kind of went. But at least on paper, it looks kind of like, you know, that the Astros should... Second time you know, around, it seemed as though that Pinkerton had pulled ahead enough of a lead that, that Coach Holly had kind of said, you know what, okay, we're not going to win today and we're not going to show all our cards. We're going to kind of pull it here and, and let some of our other guys play. And I think that's, that's what happened in that last game. I, I'm encouraged by that score. I mean, the first time around, you've got Liam Orofici and both Hayden Finnerty playing. And unfortunately now with Liam out... It, it does hurt the defense a little bit, but they've had guys step up throughout the season. So, um, you know, to me, it comes down to uh, comes down to draw control. Can they neutralize Gianno Mara and the faceoff X? Can they can they get the ball enough? And then can the other guys around Mike Penna step up? You know, can Fitzgerald uh, step up? You know, what's the status of Wyatt Carr? Is Wyatt Carr going to be playing in that game? Um, you know. I think I think Exeter can. I think they can score against Pinkerton, but will they will they have the ball enough? Uh, Mara had if a, they don't, uh, you know, Ozier, Tereski, Valentine, Sweeney, all these guys are, are there waiting in the wings, ready to ready to put the ball. Only, you can only that. stop those guys. A very for, potent, for a, very potent uh, offense yeah, for yeah. for Pinkerton. Uh, and Mara had a huge game Saturday against South. I think he won just about every faceoff uh, the first half of that game, and really just you know didn't give south any chances to i mean it was going to be tough for them to score on on pinkerton anyways but i mean even tougher to score when you don't have the ball which is similar to what you know bg was able to do to hanover in that game i think hanover touched the ball twice in that first quarter um got down seven nothing and and that one was was pretty much uh you know in the book at that point so you know on the d1 side i i think we're both in agreement that you know if we're if we're together again next monday or tuesday and and wrapping the show up we'd, we'd be surprised if it wasn't you know pinkerton or bg uh in the finals and one of those two teams walking away with the with the trophy um but as we've seen last week <laughs> we've been known Any, to be wrong yeah, anything's anything possible. can happen um you know and then the one we haven't talked about yet division three of course they play on wednesday as well up in laconia um you know you've got kind of what we thought Plymouth number four taking on top seeded Hopkinton in, in the, the late game um, no real surprises there but the other game uh, Monadnock the sixth seed came down back to Pelham uh, after losing there I think a couple weeks ago uh, by a goal came back and was able to, to uh, from what I understood was just an ugly ugly game um, 
get a win, a 6-5 win but over Just Pelham. an absolute heartbreaker for Pelham. Um, you know, a great season for them after, you know, going into the season without without a coach and, uh, you know, to have Coach Delanoy step up there and then uh, unfortunately having to, having to miss the game for a wedding um, just it's got to be got to be a really tough tough thing for Pelham right now but you know again good season something to build on for the for the for the future um, I think the Laconia Monadnock game is the one that intrigues me the most um, you know Laconia did come out on top at home last time 11-6 and you know um, I, I, I like Laconia in this game but Monadnock seems to be playing really well right now I've heard they're playing a really good zone um, you know, but uh, you know, Laconia, based on their scores the last couple weeks, seem to be it seems to be headed towards a Laconia Hopkinton final again. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Um, you know, as you said, um, Laconia beat Monadnock. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, and Plymouth. I don't believe Plymouth and Hopkinton didn't they play. Not, so they have not played. They have not played interesting, yet. Interesting year. matchup. Um, but if you if you look at similar scores, I mean, they've lost to Pel both Pelham and Campbell. You know, close to vacation week, so you don't really know what happened there. They lost to Laconia 10-7 earlier this year. So, I mean, again, I, I think it's not a lock, but I, I would definitely, uh, I'd be, I'd be kind of shocked if we weren't talking about a, a, a Laconia, uh, Hopkinton final there. Surprised at all? I mean, I know we kind of thought, you know, Laconia and Plymouth would both be in the semis. Um, you know, both of them though look like they kind of uh, Plymouth. I think had to. I think they both ended up pulling away late in the second half. But final scores, you know. Plymouth beats Trinity 11-5. Laconia beats Conval 11-4. Uh, surprise! I think it just speaks to the depth a little bit in Division Division Three this year. That there were, you know, a lot of teams that were, um, you know, came to the season that were pretty close to each other, and then it comes down to experience and coaching at that point. And so, um, no, I mean everything. I remember, I remember our days in Division Three too, where you know, in the in in the playoffs, everything gets a little bit tighter. You know, coaches go back and look at game film and uh, make adjustments, and and you know, in the in the regular season maybe you're not strategizing as much maybe you're not you know slowing the game down and you know doing things like that to uh to shorten the game a little bit so you know you got to maximize your touches in the playoffs um i am interested if it does become a hopkinton laconia final though i'm interested though because laconia you know loses their their great midfielder in steel in that first that first round fairly early in that game and from everything I talked to Drew Muzzy about, it, it seems like that made a huge impact on their offense. So, you know, can it overcome six goals? I don't know, but it might. You know, it'll it'll make for an interesting final. Uh, you know, the other quarterfinal we didn't mention, Hopkinton um, getting a 15-2 win over Cole Brown, who was making its first uh, first playoff appearance as a varsity program, uh, I believe in their third year. Um, you know, had to kind of wait they finished their season kind of early had to wait out to see what was going to happen with the rest of the division and uh you know was able to get in on the last day after some other results came in uh but good to see them you know get into the playoffs and and two that there was another three teams i believe that were you know in that mix for that final playoff spot so certainly um you know some programs that look like they're up and coming um, in the in division three great to, great to see you know programs like cole brown and interlakes moltenboro thriving when you know, unfortunately, we did lose a few programs uh, lately to it. You know, we're hoping we're hoping that the sport continues to grow. It's only only a good thing. We want to see it expand north of Concord a little bit more. You know, up into that, up until the Tilton area and up into the North Country. Um, you know, um, we've made a lot of progress here in the state of New Hampshire, but you know, we need those programs to succeed. So, yeah, great thing for Cole Brown to to be making the playoffs this year. 
course, the uh, the semifinal winners will play uh, Saturday, June 9th, um, again at Exeter in uh, the champ three championship games. D3 gets started at 2.30, D2 at 5, and then D1 at 7.30. Pretty fun atmosphere. It's yeah. great to have all yep. the games played on one day like that and, you know, be able to have all the media in one place and then, you know, um. you kind of get to see it, kind of gets you amped up. You, you get into that game and you, you see the champions from the and you see the sidelines and you're like, boys, that's where we want to be, right? We want to be on that sideline afterwards. So, you know, and it's uh, it looks like uh, summer might be back, uh, you know, by Saturday. Um, you know, we were going to make yeah, it through 80, uh, 80 degrees and 80 degrees and cloudy yeah. in New Hampshire is summer yeah. for us. So, <laughs> you know, that would be good. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to say the last couple of years, I think it's been the weather, I think, has had a factor on the crowds a little bit. Um, 20, 2016, it definitely remember, did. I, yeah. re I remember in 2016, it was a little bit, it was it was definitely cloudy and overcast, and it was kind of misty for our game. It rained most it of your, clear, most of the game, I believe. It did yeah. clear up by, by the by the D1 yeah. finals, but yeah, it definitely had an impact on, on the two games before that. And I'm, I feel like last year's weather wasn't that much better either. Maybe it was... It was you know, better, it was, but it wasn't... It was overcast. It, it still wasn't, and a, great, still yeah. wasn't a great uh, day yeah. for it. Uh, you know, as of right now, that's saying... Uh, 77 and mostly sunny on Saturday in Exeter, so fingers crossed. Uh, of course, the uh, the girls' finals will take place before then. Um, two of them tomorrow night, or Tuesday night, excuse me. Um, Division 2 at 5, and then Division 3 at 7 up at Manchester Memorial. Uh, and then Wednesday night, the Division 1 final, uh, 7 o'clock start, also at Memorial. Uh, and as we said earlier, no no one seeds left uh, in this in the, any of these tournaments. Uh, you know, a, a couple of four seeds, and uh, or actually three four seeds, two two seeds, and a three seed. You know, I was just amazed at you know looking at those games in the semifinals. You know, all season long we talked about the depth and the parity in D one, and then those games in the semifinals essentially become blowouts. It was amazing to see that happen. You know, I don't I don't think anyone really expected that. I mean, we, we kind of expected that two of the four of those teams would make the finals, but again, I I was expecting you know barn burners one two goal games there. And the way that BG and, and Bedford advanced was pretty impressive to see that. So I'm, you know, and then looking, it was a one goal game between them during the regular season. I have no idea what to expect in this game. Um, you know, I think two contrasting styles of play. I think uh, Bedford tends to be like to be a little bit more physical in their play, um, and BG a, a little bit more of a finesse team. Likes to control the draws. Uh, had great goalie play the other day. Um, you know, Bedford high power, very high powered offense. Um, so I, I think draws are going to be big, and then the way the refs, the way in which the refs are handing out cars, cards, could play a, a big <laughs> role in this in that's this championship. Game. I feel like that's been a much bigger thing this this it year than I remember like it. it. Um, I don't recall ever seeing as many cards as I have this year. Not that I, you know, you know, not that I'm everywhere and I'm seeing every game, but it just sounds sounds like and looks like there's a, there's a lot more. And for maybe not as much as you used to get be able to get away with in it some could cases, be just because these teams are so closely, you know, um, tied together in the scores that you know we're hearing more about the cards because they are making their their impact. impact yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned kind of being surprised at the scores, and I guess what's really surprising is you look at, you know, BG beats Pinkerton thirteen to four. Um, only the second time this year that Pinkerton's given up more than 10 goals in a game. Uh, just remarkable. And um, four goals scored is, you know, by far their lowest uh, total this season. So it's that was a bit surprising. And that one, I think, was even more one-sided in the first half. BG really built up that lead in the first half. 
Um, you know, and then and Sauhegan and Bedford, uh, you know, that was an overtime game, you know, three weeks ago, I think. Um, yeah, and not to make too much of the card issue, but, you know, the first time that BG played Pinkerton, I believe BG w was down at least one, if not two girls in the, in the second half of that game. So they were feeling pretty good coming into that game, knowing that, okay, look, we lost by one goal and we were we were down girls in that game. So, um, you know, again, <laughs> we'll have to see how the championship game gets held. I know uh, traditionally refs don't like to dictate games. So, you know, it, it, it could uh, could try it could become more of a more of a physical game. Refs, there, refs don't like to dictate games where in the championships. Oh, in, in the, the championships. championships. You know, you don't, don't talk to enough parents. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's like I, I don't know if I've ever not heard that. You know, there's always a, the issue in close games is all oh, the refs. Uh, hopefully we can avoid some of that, um, you know, in the next week in or my, so. In my experience in the semifinals and finals, the refs try not to become involved as much as possible, that they, that they know that the four teams that are left are good teams and they don't want to see penalties dictate the game and so they they try and give the benefit of the doubt and let it let it uh let it play out at least at least on the boys side that's been my experience you know you, you mentioned bedford's uh high-powered offense um you know hannah mccarthy is probably the, the the player that you think of uh first with them um you know bg's got some pretty good uh capable scorers themselves but really defensively i, I think that's where their strengths are you know you look at what they did this year um you know the, the most goals they gave up this year they gave up 11 twice uh, once the Bedford and, and once the Chelmsford, both yep. losses, um, you know, and other than that, you know, n nine to Pinkerton, um, you know, seven in other losses to Sauhegan and Andover. And outside of that, that's it. Like it's, you know, not, not too many, um, you know, point total or goal total is higher than that. So if they're able to, I, I think if they're able to slow down Bedford, then, then they get a very good shot at winning that. If I they get into a shootout, it's think, probably, that's why I think draw yeah. control is going to be so important in that game. I do know. I, b I believe that Bishop Girton's draw uh, draw girls are, are younger. I, I believe, if I'm correct, I believe they are freshmen. Um, so how they how they are able to step up in this game could be huge for them. Uh, you know, we already talked a little bit about that Division Two game. Um, you know, between Portsmouth and Hollis Brookline. Um, you know, bit of a, a surprise there. Um, you know, given you know the what, what like we said Hollis Brookline how they played uh, against Winnicott during the regular season. Um, you know, they, they played what, what their coach said was a closer game against Portsmouth um, and then kind of got About away from them ago. at the end. Yeah. So, um, so you know, it, and, and then you think there and say, I mean, I guess it's really a matter of whether Hollis Brooklyn can do it two games in a row. Two games you know? in a row. You know, do they have the experience? You know, they haven't been there. Like you said, they haven't been there since 2010, you know, in a big game like that. Um, you know, was the last game was that their championship already? Did they did they did they peak too early, or can they get it back up again for for a one game scenario? I you know I gotta believe they will. The, the adrenaline will get them going, and I think if you're Portsmouth, um, you might be a little bit nervous about the unknown coming into that. I the thing that that I think might be key though is that they, you know uh, Hollis Brookline's not going to sneak up on anybody. Like they, they they did that in the semifinals. Portsmouth, I think they were they were there for that entire respect, game. Respect them now. Um, yeah. You know they'll you know they got their attention. I imagine um, it'll be a lot harder to uh, you know come out and maybe maybe kind of punch Portsmouth in the mouth the way they did when it kind of. Yeah, and I and I'm, you know it didn't didn't work out for when it kind of, but I do believe Portsmouth's uh, strength of schedule will will help them a lot in this game. You know they've they've played in those big games already this season. And then uh, also on, on Tuesday, uh, the D3 final, number four, Laconia, uh, number two, Hopkinton. 
Um, you know, L- Laconia, of course, knocking off uh, number one Dairy Field. Hopkinton getting there with a, um, a, a maybe closer than expected win o- over Bo, uh, 15 to 10. Um, Bo was know. a team that I, I liked since the beginning of the season. I know a lot of, a lot of teams have been overlooked, kind of overlooked them. I think what kind of shook people is that they, they lost at Kearsarge 12-2 uh, early, earlier this year, but they only had two losses coming into the playoffs, you know, and, you know, some people only say, well, it wasn't the strongest schedule, but they, they've, they've had some very talented girls in the game that I saw um, them play earlier this year. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, uh, Derryfield was able to beat Laconia earlier in, the se- earlier in the season at home, and so was Hopkinton. Um, <coughs> you know, Hopkinton wins by four at home. But this is a, a Laconia team, probably you know similar to Kearsarge last year. We're coming on strong at the end of the season, a lower seed making a run uh, at the end after suffering some losses earlier this year. Yeah, you know they um, there's a, a seems like a, a great program that they've put together up there. I know they've had a couple girls go on and play some um, pretty high level college lacrosse. Um, I think they've got a few this year that are that are going on to um, not remembering names and schools at this point. Uh, you know, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't think to see them as the four seed come out and and win that game. Absolutely, no. I, I think um, and anything can happen. You know, I, I think there was a, a. You know, we talked about Exeter's home field advantage getting to play in the semifinals, and I, I think getting to play at home. You know, getting to play Dairyfield at, at home in a semifinal was, was a was a nice advantage for them, not having to travel and having a. You know, probably most of the town come out and you know have a good cheering section out there. Probably helps a lot. So. Um, you know they'll be they'll be ready. Laconia is no stranger to the to the uh, finals here. They they've been a you know a seasoned veteran of, of playing for championships. So um, I'm expecting a great game. I do give the edge to Hopkinton. I think Hopkinton has a lot of really strong athletes and a lot of speed. Um, you know, but I, I do like uh, I like Laconia as far as the the coaching edge in that game. You know, and and Hopkinton really just you know one goal away from from going for an undefeated season here. Uh, you know their lone loss, a, a 13-12 loss to Kearsarge, um, you know back on the on May 11th. Um, you know so uh, they've got to be feeling like, or they, you know, they're trying to think of the right the way to word this. Um, you know, a lot lot at stake for them. Um, you know, uh, not quite a like you said, uh, not an undefeated season, but close to it. And you know, I, you wonder if that adds you know any bit of pressure. Uh, it can, but I, I think it's got to be a very confident group. Um, you know, they, they've won on the road at Dairy Field. They've won at Pelham. Um, you know, they, a close loss at Kearsarge. So they, they've been battle-tested. So um, it could be a great – that could be a really, really good game. It come, could come right down to the end. And uh, first time in the final for Hopkinton, too. Um, you know, in Laconia had been here the previous two years before last year. So 2015-2016 back-to-back champs. So – I don't know how many kids are left over from you know that team, any either of those teams. So that could make a difference too. Yep. You know, experience always plays a factor in the in these games. But um, you know, overall, Joe, I think we've got um, we've got some great semifinals and finals coming up over the over the week here. Um, you know, it's nice. It doesn't look like the weather's going to play a huge factor in it. Cooler temperatures than maybe we expected, but um, you know, I, I think it's going to make it so that. Why, why you play all these games on turf is, uh, you know, if the rain, it does end up raining tomorrow, then, um, you know, hopefully it's not too much of a problem. So, well, the season has flown by. Um, you know, anything, anything else we want to we take a look at here before we wrap it up? Uh, you know, I'm just, 
I'm really yeah, like I think you just you know kind of touched on it. Th- this is uh, really looking forward to this week of games. Um, you know, I think we've got some really good ones. You know, on on the slate here, and I'm excited too because um, you know anyone that follows nh-highschoolsports.com, um, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of the the you know writing and photography and video and all that. Um, I'm very fortunate this week that I've got a bunch of people helping me out. Uh, we're actually going to have all of these game lacrosse games coming up this week covered. You know, and look, the weather, if they postpone anything tomorrow or Tuesday, might throw a, a monkey wrench into the, the works. But, you know, as of right now, it looks like you're going to be able to, you know, those of you that are members are going to be able to get to tune in and read, get some, yeah, get some, get some good coverage. So that's uh, I'm pretty excited about that. You know, not to put you on the spot, but like you know, you you've seen a lot of games this year. Are there any you know, are there any guys or girls in particular that have that have kind of stood out to you? Maybe, you know, uh, coaches, coaching staff. You know, any anything that that you've walked away saying, wow, you know what, that was that was a really kind of special or great performance this year. Yeah, that is putting me on the spot. I, I don't know <laughs> if I can rack my brain that quickly. I mean, I, I mean the obvious ones. Uh, you know, I, I've been about around the BG boys most this year doing the season. Um, you know, Brian Cameron is one of those kids that comes around you know w- once in a i don't know decade kind yeah. of kind of um, talent um you know a lot of those kids are very talented the ones i've gotten to know are it seem like they're great kids um you know the other other ones in that doug barker sam prunier james hetmiller um you know all, all seem like they're they're class kids um you know, you know I, I think the play of Gian Omara that this year, you know, kind of kind of turned some heads, and you know how quickly he was able to just take over the reins there, and um, you know, uh, at times dominate this year. Um, you know, I, I think uh, looking yep. at what Michael M- Mike Penn has done this year has been pretty special for Exeter. Um, you know, stepping up there and, and having them uh, go on the great run they've had. You know, I was. Um was nice to see the Nashua South kids, um, you know, turn their season around, um, you know, really develop some of their younger kids um, so that they maybe feel like they're, you know, they're looking like they might be in good shape going into next year, at least on offense. I know they, they lose a lot defensively, um, you know, but that coming back from a one, a si- one in six really start. Really young attack group yeah. there, something yeah. to build on for the next yeah. couple of years. You know, uh. and, um, I was really impressed with a with a team and a player that doesn't get a lot of press because they're they're up north in uh, Graham Penfield from from Hanover, uh, you know, a senior going to Trinity next year, and you know, someone that I, I think could make an impact that we might see in box scores on the D three side for a while there, um, you know, unfortunately just you know being that far north just doesn't get as much coverage as, as some of the other kids down here. But if he was down here, I think that's a kid you would see in the newspaper an awful lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't see too many D three games, unfortunately. Um, you know, did read a little bit of highlights, was pretty impressed with what Milford was able to put together. Um, some of their kids, Cam O'Shaughnessy had a big year. I got to his, uh, I think, 100th point in his career. Um, Gavin Erda, uh, Coach uh, Rick Erda's son, uh, he's only a sophomore, so he's got a couple years left. Um, Three-sport athlete, too, f- plays football, seems basketball. Like, seems like Milford's got a, got a good thing going there. You know, they had a nice senior group coming through this year, but then, you know, the youth program it looks like it's in good shape, and you know, so Coach Hurd has got something to build on there for a few years now. On the girls' side of things, um, just I'm, I'm always impressed with what Sauhegan does. You know, just considering what size that school is, um, the you know the program that they've been able to put together over th- over there over the years. Um, you know, every it seems like every couple years they they have a class that just comes together. Uh, you know, a couple years ago it was five girls going on to play. You know, committing to 
Division One colleges. Um, this year, I'm not sure they have quite that many, um, but definitely some girls who have been uh, a talented core, I think, starting since freshman year. Um, so, yeah, that's always impressive there. I'm, I'm always impressed with what Mary Squire does out on the seacoast with Portsmouth, you know, a program that perennially for years now has been, you know, at the top of Division Two, and, and um, you know, not easy there when you've got a lot of prep schools, uh, you know, kind of sniping at, at your heels looking looking at the talent that's there. You know, she's, uh, she's able to keep those kids home and really develop. I think she's a great teacher of the game, and I think that's why a lot of girls are choosing to stay home and, and play for her and, and continue to develop that program. She's got a proven track record of putting girls in college, too. You know, and a, a team we talked about a lot today, um, Hollis Brookline, um, you know, going into the year with um, their fourth coach in four years, um, one senior on the roster. Uh, you know, they they moved up uh, after, you know, as we mentioned, one in 2010 and D3 and decided to move up to Division One. Um, probably a move they should have made maybe two years before that with that group that won those championships. Um kind of you know they were 500 i think the first couple of years and then really started to struggle after that moved back down to d2 um, which feels like where they should be and um you know really put it all together this year uh, and at least going home as a, a runner-up in d2 tomorrow you know, Tuesday it's, night, it's yeah. a success and something something to build on so um yeah a lot of great a lot of great stories around the, along the lacrosse landscape and a, a few more probably to be written this weekend and we will talk about all of those uh, next week uh, when we wrap up the season. Um, you know, uh, again, we'll have six champions crowned by then that we'll, we'll know we'll be able to talk about. Uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, relaying some of those, uh, the interesting things that happen over the next week. Uh, and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, have the, we'll have the NH High School sports, uh, you know, uh, all-star teams at, at some point. Maybe closer to the end of <laughs> July. Let's not rush. Let's not rush these things here. Uh, a lot, 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 lot can happen between now and then, too. Uh, he is uh, Dairyfield coach Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again for, uh, for joining me. Always a pleasure, Joe. I am Joe Marcellina from nh-highschoolsports.com. We'll talk to you next week.